It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out his website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. We'll give my man a call, 912-268. 2328-912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Holiday Inn and all of their properties. If you got to go stay someplace, stay at a Holiday Inn. My favorites, Holiday Inn Resort and, of course, the Holiday Inn Express. Now, listen, we can save you some money on your next stay at a Holiday Inn property. That's right. Just call our toll-free number. 844 6030364 844 And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on a Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening uh, to this show. Uh, just visit uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. And if you're looking to get a signed copy, just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and uh, click on the book. Now listen, if you want to get multiple copies signed, hey, we love you. Send me an email, billy at talking boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. Um, we uh, happy Memorial Day to everybody. Um, we are doing a show. It may not be the full length, but we are doing a show. We may even open up the phone lines a little later. So uh, if you're uh, up and about and you want to uh, get your comments, questions, or thoughts heard, uh, come on over to one of our chat rooms. Our, our, our main chat room right now is the one over on uh, YouTube. So if you're uh, watching us on another stream or simulcast on Facebook or wherever, um, make sure you check out the YouTube stream. That's the same exact version of this show that we upload to the television networks and stuff. So uh, uh, you want to get part of that. Anyway, let's get uh, uh, going. Um, First and foremost, uh, what I want to talk about a little bit later is something we've we've kind of touched on it. Um, Jack Johnson. Uh, Jack Johnson was pardoned by uh, President Donald Trump uh, last week, uh, towards the end of the week. 
And um, to tell you the truth, it, it was a long time coming. I, I believe that uh, uh, Jack Johnson uh, never should have been forced to step foot in, in a jail, uh, let alone uh, uh, wait over 100 years to get pardoned. Um, so uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, also, uh, I want to uh, um, talk about some fight results from the weekend. Uh, first and foremost, let's get the uh, uh, Filipino battle. Uh, this was uh, the first time two Filipino fighters fought each other in almost 100 years, 93 years to be exact. And uh, they fought, uh, as you would expect, in the Philippines, right? Wrong. Nope, they, felt in, they fought in California, Fresno, California. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, the, uh, uh, the fight was a good one. Uh, it was uh, pretty entertaining. Um, Jerwin, uh, Pretty Boy, uh, and Kajas, and I apologize if I uh, uh, am uh, mispronouncing that, improved to 28 wins, one loss, one draw, with 19 of his wins coming by knockout when he won a unanimous decision over Jonas uh, Sultan, uh, who drops to 14 and 4, 119, 109 twice, 117, 111, uh, all in favor of uh, Ankajas. So, uh, uh, an exciting uh, uh, fight there. Um, also, some other fights uh, that took place over the weekend in the Superfly division. Um, the WBA Superfly champion uh, Khalid uh, Yafi improved to 24-0 with 15 uh, knockouts when he st- scored a seventh-round stoppage over David Carmona. David Carmona. No, no, different, different guy. Uh, who drops to 21-6-5 with uh, nine of his wins coming by knockout. Uh, what happened was uh, he took uh, uh, a severe beating uh, in the uh, fifth round, uh, being dropped. Uh, again, it picked up uh, in the sixth. And then uh, the seventh round, when uh, David Carmona uh, went back uh, to his corner, he never came out. So uh, officially it goes down as a uh, seventh-round TKO. Um uh, one other thing uh, to mention about this fight, Carmona uh, came in uh, uh, well over the weight limit, three, 3.6 pounds over, and uh, Yaffe still went on with the fight, which was risky because if he would have lost the fight, uh, he actually uh, would have lost his title, uh, even though Carmona was in no position to win the title. So uh, anyway... Uh, Arginus Mendez, this was actually, to be honest with you, uh, the uh, Ankajas fight uh, was one that I, I had my eye on. But I was also uh, looking at uh, uh, at the uh, Arginus Mendez fight, uh, the former champion. Uh, he moved up to a junior welterweight, and uh, he got back in the ring, scored a 10-round unanimous decision over Eddie Ramirez to improve to 25 wins, five losses, and a draw. Ramirez drops to 17-2. and two. Uh, the way the judges scored it, 98-88, 97-89, and 99-87, all within uh, uh, the realm of uh, being close. And um, the return of Jay Leon Love, I haven't heard much uh, about Jay Leon Love. Uh, and and maybe, maybe the level of opposition that he fought is an indication why. Uh, Jay Leon Love improved to 24 wins, one loss, one draw when he scored an eight-round. That's right, he only fought an eight-round fight. Uh, unanimous decision over Jamie Barbosa, who drops to 19 and 15. Uh, Jay Leon Love uh, 
was a highly touted uh, prospect when he came uh, busted onto the scene. Not so much anymore. He was uh, almost dropped uh, early in this fight, uh, but came back and uh, and won. Now, if you recall, uh, in uh, September of last year, the last time he fought, uh, Abby Han and him drawed, uh, fought to a technical draw. So uh, uh, still waiting for uh, Jay Leon Love to uh, uh, kick it into uh, a higher gear. Um, also, uh, some fights that took place uh, on Friday. Um, unbeaten Cuban Olympian from 2008, Robert Alfonso, improved to 16-0 and with seven knockouts when he stopped Mike Bissett uh, in the uh, second round. Uh, Bissett drops to 14 wins, 11 losses, and a draw. A draw I'm sorry. Uh, this was uh, a card uh, that was fought in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, uh, on the Alabama Boxing Hall of Fame ceremonies. Um the co-main event on this uh, uh, card, Keandre Leatherwood improved to 21-5-1 when he beat Julio Garcia uh, in a six-round fight. Garcia drops to 25-7-2. And, and uh, as has been the case lately, we're keeping you posted on all of the heavyweight action. And uh, heavyweight uh, Terrell Jamel Woods improved to... Uh, 17 wins and 41 losses with seven draws when he won a four-round majority decision over Rodney Moore, who drops to 18, 16, and 2. Rodney Moore fought on one of my cards years ago. Uh, they used to call him Rockin' Rodney Moore. Uh, but uh, he lost to Jam Jer Terrell Jamel Woods, 17, 41, and 7. Usually uh, you don't see... Uh, uh, those kinds of uh, records, uh, unless you're fighting in the UK. But uh, hey, we're talking about Alabama and a new, fairly new uh, formed uh, boxing commission. Also on Friday night, in a uh, big fight, um, Naoa Inua improved to 16 and 0 with 14 knockouts, uh, picking up his third world title belt. Uh, this time, the WBA's version of the bantamweight, uh, when he beat Jamie McDonald. Uh, who was the champ, uh, Jamie McDonald, uh, drops to 29-3-1, and, and he also had no decision with 13 knockouts. Um, Jamie McDonald hit the deck uh, twice and then was uh, uh, finally stopped that one minute and 52 seconds of the first round. Talk about uh, Inoue's uh, nickname, the monster. Uh, it shows uh, uh, that's the, the case. Um, remember, Inoue had to win this fight in order to participate in the World Boxing Super Series um, Bantamweight Tournament, which is going to be taking place. And uh, at the end of the fight, he says, uh, I'm participating in the World Boxing Super Series to face other world champions with pleasure. Uh, once again, this is what really bothers me uh, about uh, boxing here in the United States. It seems that uh, most of the... Uh, uh, fighters that are willing to, to take the risks, et cetera, et cetera, uh, are from uh, every country but the United States. So uh, uh, congratulations to uh, Inu. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how he fares. Remember, he just, just moved up in weight, so uh, we'll see what happens with him. Um, also uh, on this card, um, the WBC Junior Flyweight Champion, Shiro Ken, improved to 13-0 with seven knockouts uh, when he... Uh, uh, stopped uh, Gannigan Lopez. I, you know, I, I love watching Gannigan Lopez. I was uh, sh uh, shocked that this fight uh, uh, 
was the outcome was the way it was. One minute and fifty eight seconds of the second round is when uh, Ken stopped Gannigan Lopez. Uh, so uh, Lopez drops to twenty nine and eight. Um, uh, some other things I wanted to talk about. We'll give you the. Uh, uh, I got some uh, fights that I wanted to uh, uh, mention that will be coming up uh, that are uh, worth uh, uh, mentioning. But uh, first, let, let's finish with the schedule on Friday in uh, Poland. Uh, Artur Spitzka improved to twenty one and three with fifteen knockouts when he scored a ten round unanimous decision over forty three year old American Dominic. Uh, uh, Dominic Gunn and uh, Dominic Gunn in, dropped to 35, uh, 12, and 1. I got to be honest, when I saw the reason why I mentioned 43 is I thought he was much older than that. I mean, uh, Dominic Gunn has been fighting for a long time. Um, Spitzker uh, ended his uh, uh, two fight uh, losing streak. Uh, if you recall, he was brutally knocked out by Deontay Wilder and then stepped in the ring with uh, Adam Konaki. Uh, and uh, uh, or the way they pronounce it is Kownowski, uh, and uh, was stopped there. Uh, so we'll see what uh, happens. Uh, a gun hadn't been in the ring uh, for two years uh, uh, when he went the distance with Huey Fury. Uh, another heavyweight on that card, uh, Isabu Yuganov, improved to 18 and one with 15 knockouts when he scored a second round stoppage over uh, Fred Cassie, who drops to 18, eight and one. Um, his uh, only loss uh, came at the hands of uh, Dominic Brazil uh, a little over a year ago. Uh, Cassie, on the other hand, although he's been uh, on TV and, and been in some big fights, his last seven fights have not uh, fared too well for Big Fred. 0-6-1. So uh, that's what uh, uh, took place there. Um the heavyweight roundup, this is uh, in case you're new to the show or in case you're just joining us uh, after uh, being away for a little bit. Um, we've been keeping you updated, updated on the uh, heavyweight boxing scene. Uh, one of the things that uh, always bother me is when, uh, especially now, uh, when we have uh, uh, you know the, uh, such a, uh, a high uh, interest or uh, resurgence, so to speak, in the heavyweight division, um, I figure, you know, why don't we start mentioning these heavyweights so that we can at least have heard their name when all of a sudden they magically appear in the rankings and get a world title shot. So uh, heavy, heavyweight roundup uh, uh, from uh, uh, Friday and Saturday. We'll start with the uh, most recent first Saturday in Australia. Joseph Goodall improved to 2-0 and uh, when he stopped Barry Pryor uh, in the first of a scheduled four-round fight. Uh, Pryor actually uh, suffered a leg injury and uh, prompted the uh, TKO uh, victory for Goodall. Uh, Pryor drops to 1-4-2. and two. Also on that card, Bermain Tassil, uh making his pro debut a successful one, is now 1-0 when he knocked out Martin uh, Tavuli, uh, who was also making his pro debut uh, in the first round of a scheduled four-round fight. Uh, to view, he drops to uh, 0-1. Out of Canada, uh, on the uh, yeah, what happened? I thought I had that. Uh, I thought I had that fight about. Uh, what did I pass by it? What did I? Let me see. Because uh, uh, I guess I don't. I guess I uh, misplaced it or didn't. Uh, let me see. Uh, yeah, I guess I. Mi I guess I uh, messed up and uh, didn't. Uh, 
didn't put didn't didn't have that one included. Uh, I'm sorry, but uh, um, the bottom line was uh, uh, David. Um, yeah, I, I I don't. I'm shocked that I don't have it because uh, um, this was on the undercard. Anyway, uh, he fought. Uh, 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 let me just tell you, the Quebec. Inc uh, we had two fights on the heavyweight division out of Quebec. Man, it must be a holiday today. Uh, Arslanbek Makamovdov improved to three and zero when he stopped uh, Elder Hernandez. Uh, in the first of a scheduled four-round fight, Hernandez drops to five and two. Uh, also on that card, um, Dominic Musil improves to uh, three and zero oh when he won a four-round unanimous uh, decision over Tomas uh, Marizak, who drops to uh, uh, ten and uh, sixty-nine uh, with six uh, draws. In Finland, uh, Gunnar Kolbein Christensen improved to ten and zero when he won a six-round decision. Over Gennady uh, Metzgerkian, who drops to five and two. Um, how about in Germany? I love this arena, Work Your Champ Arena, uh, in Hamburg, Germany. Ailelius uh, Bodis, Bosius, uh, making his pro debut, a successful one, improves to one and zero oh when he won a four-round majority decision over Milo Slack Pavic, who drops to zero oh and five in Norway. Uh, Simon Nayslayer improved to 4-0 when he stopped uh, uh, Tamas Shadivili in the uh, third of a four-round scheduled fight. Shadivili drops to 3-8-1. Uh, um, in the Corn Exchange Arena in the U.K., Fabio Wardley improved to 4-0 when he knocked out uh, Frenzek Zalek. Uh, in the first of a scheduled six-round fight, Zalik uh, drops to 21 wins, 69 losses, and six draws. Uh, also out of the U.K., uh, George Dannett improved to uh, 12 wins, 27 losses, and seven draws when he stopped the favorite in this fight, Chris Burton, in the first round of a scheduled four-round fight. Burton drops to 15-3 and three, uh, in Biloxi, Mississippi, Effie uh, Ajiba improved to 5-0 and when he knocked out Del Long in the first of his scheduled six-round fight. Uh, Long drops to 5-3-2. Uh, <coughs> Excuse me. In Belarus, uh, Zan Kazobutsky improved to 5-0 and when he stopped uh, Gotita Gordzalis uh, in the uh, second round of a scheduled six. And it's it's not Gordzalis. It's Gord something. Um, Belarus is... They have tough names to pronounce. He drops to uh, 38 and 26. From Friday night in uh, Canada, a man, uh, Ojulia, making his pro debut, improved to 1-0 when he knocked out Kevin Robertson in the first round of a scheduled four-round fight. Robertson drops to 0-3. In France, Cyril Loniette improved to 14-10 and 10 with three uh, draws when he stopped uh, Jean-Francis Trevari, uh, making... Uh, uh, in the second of his scheduled sixth round, making his new record five and twenty-four, in Poland, uh, Richard Bigas improved to thirteen and six when he stopped Marcin Najman uh, in the fourth round of a scheduled six. Uh, Najman drops to fifteen and five, and in South Africa, uh, Vladislav Serenko improved to seven and zero oh when he stopped uh, Alik Gago uh, in the uh, very first round. Gago drops to uh, five. Uh, and two so uh, uh, that's what uh, uh, took place there um, listen we're going to take a short break and when we come back uh, I got some uh, uh, a couple of fights that are coming up 
Uh, and also, um, I, I want to talk about the uh, Jack Johnson pardoning, uh, which I think uh, is a long time uh, coming. Um, uh, one thing I, I did want to uh, make uh, a point, and I didn't have it, David Lemieux on that Quebec card, uh, he uh, uh, won his fight, couldn't make weight again. Uh, he was uh, 162 pounds in the middleweight fight. He's making an in, uh, plans to move up in weight to 168. Um, I don't know, man. 168 for David Lemieux. I, I think David Lemieux's dedication to the sport is it just doesn't exist. And uh, I, I think uh, when you look at David Lemieux, that's what you got to start thinking about. Uh, that this guy just isn't putting in the work. And unless you stand right in front of him and let him knock you out. Uh, he's beatable. I don't think he's making a smart move by going to uh, 168, that's for sure. We're going to take a short break. I'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where... Back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today on this uh, Memorial Day, and it's uh, not looking too great where I am. But uh, a couple of fights I wanted to mention, uh, a couple of good fights I want to mention that are uh, coming our way. Um, it was announced uh, over the weekend that Regis Progress, uh, who's 21 and 0 with eight knockouts, uh, is going to be uh, uh, taking on. Uh, well, I guess he's. Uh, uh, now uh, an interim champion. He's going to be taking on uh, fellow uh, uh, undefeated fighter Juan Jose uh, Velasco, who's 20-0 with 12 knockouts, taking place July 14th uh, in New Orleans. Um, I like this fight. This is a this is a pretty good fight. And and I'll tell you what, the, the co-main event is just as even, in my opinion. Teofimo Lopez, who's 9-0 with 7 knockouts uh, in the lightweight division, has taken on William Silva, who's only been once beaten in a 10-round fight. So uh, to, uh, uh, this fight card uh, looks pretty good uh, out of uh, uh, New Orleans. It's actually at the on the campuses of the University of New Orleans. So uh, July 14th. I wish I, wish I could go down uh, uh, to New Orleans and check that one out live. Um, also, Dennis Shakirov, uh, 38 uh, wins, four losses, and a draw. Uh, he was a former world title challenger. He's taken on uh, Hector uh, Suarez, who's uh, 12, 6, and 1. Um, I, I like this fight, too, to tell you the truth. I know it's not a glamorous fight, uh, but uh, uh, it's one to keep an eye on. Uh, Shakirov is uh, Abel Sanchez, uh, trains uh, Shakirov. So uh, uh, I would keep an eye on that fight and uh, uh, work on that one. That's for sure. That's, that's going to be an entertaining one. Uh, I got some emails to read, but first, let's talk a little about uh, the Jack Johnson uh, pardon. You know, Jack Johnson, in my opinion, it was one of the greatest fighters of all time. I mean, um, you know, as much as I criticize uh, Floyd Mayweather's style uh, for being uh, a boring fighter when it comes to that, well, Jack Johnson, in his day, was considered a boring fighter. But the big difference was Jack Johnson dominated his opponents and toyed with them. Uh, you know, uh, he was described sometimes as, uh, sometimes as a big cat. And the reason is because if you've ever watched a cat who uh, uh, is uh, kicking the butt out of a mouse uh, or kicking the crap out of the mouse, 
and, and then they kind of get bored and they just bat it around a little bit and then the mouse tries to get away and then he goes back after them, you know, until he gets bored and then just kills the thing. Well, that was the way Jack Johnson used to fight. Jack Johnson used to fight um, in a manner in which he was so much better than his opposition uh, that he would get bored in the ring. And during a time when, uh, uh, you know, we talk about racial tensions today, and, and a lot of people talk about it uh, in the uh, early 60s uh, when it would uh, reach, uh, you know, big proportion. Well, in this era, in the early 1900s, um, it was different because, uh, you know, uh, uh, the bottom line is, is slavery had been, uh, you know, removed you know, 40 uh, years earlier, but there was still segregation. There was still uh, uh, most people in the U.S. felt that, um, you know, uh, African-Americans were second-class citizens, etc. cetera. Um, what always I admired about Jack Johnson was he refused to accept that. He refused to accept that he was a second-class citizen. And, you know, when fighters wouldn't fight him, when they wouldn't cross what they called the color line at that time, um, Jack Johnson would get pissed. And most people focused on him. You know, uh, there was a, uh, several big fights during his career. One was against Sam Lankford that they wanted to make. Uh, Sam Lankford, uh, uh, you know, felt that a lot of people felt that Sam Lankford could give Jack Johnson not only a, a good fight, but even beat him. But the problem was Jack Johnson was pretty smart in, in the fact that he knew that he couldn't make as much money fighting a guy like Sam Lankford um, as he could fighting white opponents. And the uh, white uh, hope, the great white hope, uh, was created. They, they kept trying to find uh, white fighters to take the title from Jack Johnson. And... Uh, uh, they never, uh, they never did, did. They never did. Now remember, James Jeffries was the champion who retired because he felt there was nobody good enough in the heavyweight division to fight him. Now during the time when Jack Johnson was on his rise and tried to fight James Jeffries and he wouldn't fight him because he wouldn't fight a black man, uh, you know, fast forward, Jack Johnson wins the title, and now in the press, we're talking about in the press, you know, you got. Uh, the one that sticks out the most for me is Jack London because Jack London was um, wrote this small, this short essay uh, about uh, uh, boxing, which hooked me as a kid uh, to the sport before I even watched a fight. Um, it was called The Piece of Steak, and, and to this day it's my favorite short story uh, uh, on boxing. And if you need a copy of it, let me know. I have it uh, uh, in Word format I could send to you. But uh, Jack London would go in the papers and say, uh, come on, James Jeffries, come out of retirement, save the white race from Jack Johnson, and, and you know, talk about uh, printing negative comments. I mean, they had no problem uh, using the N-word or anything in print. Um, Jack Johnson, just, it infuriated him, and he wanted James Jeffries uh, to uh, come out of retirement. And then they started saying, because remember, when James Jeffries retired, he appointed the two guys that were going to fight for his title that he was giving up. He picked them out and actually refed the fight, okay? Um, so, in a sense, people started saying that he was still the champion. 
because he never physically lost the title in the ring. And that's when that all came around. And uh, finally, after several years, um, uh, they coaxed uh, James Jeffries, uh, who was very comfortable and overweight, I might add, on his alfalfa farm in California to come out of retirement and save the white race against Jack Johnson. Didn't work out. Jack Johnson kicked the crap out of him. And, uh, you know, mainly they, uh, they stopped the fight. Uh, before uh, Jack Johnson knocked him out cold. Uh, the, one of the most famous pictures you see is James Jeffries trying to lift himself up uh, with the ropes with his back towards Jack Johnson. And, uh, you know, that was pretty much when the cops uh, came and uh, stopped the fight. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the whole beauty uh, of Jack Johnson is that, you know, he refused uh, to uh, uh, accept the fact that he was considered a second-class citizen. He eventually uh, uh, went and uh, uh, had to go to uh, uh, other countries because uh, nobody wanted to fight him here, etc., etc. Uh, he made some money in France. Then things got uh, real tight. Now, this whole uh, arrest situation uh, was over the Mann Act. Now, the Mann Act uh, was a law that stated that you couldn't uh, bring women across state lines for immoral purposes. And and basically what it was trying to do is prevent prostitution from happening where you would get uh, somebody that would uh, uh, pick up a prostitute in one state and bring her over across lines and maybe <clears throat> get her some work on the other on the other line. And they were, they were trying to prevent this from happening. And that's what the Mann Act was was uh, incorporated to do. Now what they when they arrested, uh, Jack Johnson on this charge. Um, the woman in the car with him uh, was a a prostitute per, by definition, but she was also his wife. Um, so uh, the 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 issue here was they were they arrested him for for actually bringing uh, a prostitute across uh, uh, state lines, but it was his wife. You know, so um, he ended up not showing up for court. Uh, and uh, was sentenced to uh, to jail uh, in, in uh, Leavenworth, Texas, and he left. He uh, fled the country and uh, started a, a campaign uh, of uh, defending this title outside the U.S., uh, and uh, the U.S. Uh, official said, you ever come back here, uh, you're going to face uh, uh, some time, and that's exactly what happened over a course of time, including uh, Jack Johnson eventually losing his title, uh, in uh, Cuba, uh, he ended up coming back to the States and, and set up a thing where he was going to come back. His mom had passed. He didn't get to, to see her and um, came back to the States. And sure enough, they arrested him and uh, he served 10 months in, in a, in a uh, jail uh, for that. Now, during the sentence, uh, during his time, I should say, um, they definitely gave him uh, you know, some some decent treatment. I mean, he was a celebrity still. Uh, but my opinion was always that he never should have uh, uh, been forced to, to go to jail. Uh, I, really, he never should have. They, they should have maybe fined him, if that. He should have never been arrested, to be honest with you. But the worst part of the story is that it took all the way until 2018 for him to be pardoned. It would have been nice for him to have seen that he was respected to a degree. Even his last day on this earth, uh, he was attending some fights, and uh, he was driving back from the fights, 
and he stopped at a diner uh, to get a bite to eat, uh, him and his buddy. And the diner at this time, and this was in the 40s, um, wouldn't serve him because he was black, said he had to sit at a different section uh, of the restaurant. He refused, got so pissed off uh, that he and his buddy left, and he was driving like a maniac and uh, got into a car wreck and ultimately died on the operating table. So in a sense, we could blame our own government uh, for his death because uh, the truth of the matter is is that uh, we shouldn't have had uh, you know that kind of BS going on in this country uh, for as long as it did. And, you know, for all the presidents that came uh, after Jack Johnson, and this wasn't a new situation. This didn't cross uh, just Donald Trump's desk. Um, it was renewed with uh, Senator McCain um, several years back. And, you know, some presidents came, did not pardon him, including Obama. A lot of people felt that the first black president should, uh, one of his things should have been to pardon Jack Johnson. He did pardon other people, not Jack Johnson. And at the time when he was put on the spot and asked about it, he says, well, you know, we don't really focus uh, our time on pardoning, pardoning uh, you know, past people that are no longer with us. We, we kind of leave that in the hands of the, uh, you know, group, the presidential group at that time, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I thought he dropped the ball personally. I thought he dropped the ball. I mean, uh, you know, him as a president uh, was a significant uh, achievement uh, as, in terms of the United States having its first uh, black president, etc. Um, personally, I didn't think he did anything for us as a country, but he certainly helped uh, a lot of uh, uh, things uh, that you could look at from a uh, um, you know human uh, humanitarian uh, point of view. And one of the things should have been for him to pardon Jack Johnson. It's ironic that the guy who's accused of being prejudiced is the guy who signed the paper. And the guy who taught, talked him into it and told him about Jack Johnson was Sylvester Stallone. Now, I just want to say this before we take a break. I'm kind of surprised. Donald Trump claims that he never knew the story of Jack Johnson. I find that hard to believe. Anybody that is a, a boxing fan kind of knows the story of Jack Johnson. I mean, it is one of those things that everyone kind of learns about, whether they are trying to or not. And Donald Trump wasn't just a boxing fan. This guy was a big-time player in the 80s uh, in the sport, Atlantic City at his uh, 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 casino, motel, whatever. Um, was a Trump's Plaza was a, a big place. Mike Tyson fought under uh, Trump's banner uh, for a while. So for him to say he didn't know anything about it and thank uh, Sylvester Stallone for, for straightening him out, I find that strange. Hey, listen, I'm going to take a short break. A little bit more on Jack Johnson when I come back. Billy C will be right back. Now back to Talking Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there, Jeremy, man. Uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. 
to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching The Billy C. Show. Hey, listen, we're going to open up the phone lines. Give me your thoughts on uh, uh, Jack Johnson's uh, pardon. 845-228-8710. One thing I wanted to mention, many presidents uh, since Jack Johnson uh, had the opportunity. Bill Clinton was another one uh, that uh, failed to do the right thing. Uh, Donald Trump gets the credit. And, you know, my man Jason was uh, in one of the chat rooms right now, uh, and he says, you know, what does it really mean? Uh, and, and the truth of the matter is, is it really doesn't mean anything uh, for Jack Johnson. Uh, Jack Johnson, uh, unfortunately, is, is long gone. But what it does from a historical perspective is it cleans the slate. And his uh, niece, great-great-niece, I think, or, or some relative, Ms. Hayward, uh, was involved uh, with the uh, uh, official signing um, of the uh, uh, pardoning, uh, along with Deontay Wilder and Lennox Lewis and Sylvester Stallone and um, uh, Suleiman. Uh, we're all there in the office. Um, but, uh, but, but she said that the family has had to live in disgrace for generations since then. Um, you know, it makes me wonder, you know, how much... Uh, one individual that might be a, a, a bad apple, so to speak, and I'm not suggesting Jack Johnson was, although he was no saint. Um, you know, the truth of the matter is, is, you know, you get somebody that uh, uh, is part of a family and, and goes to jail for something. Um, you know, what's the ramifications for the rest of the family? You know, are they suffering? Are they being looked down upon? Uh, you know, and, and, and for how long? Forever? You know, uh, I could see... Uh, um, you know, during that time, there, there, you know, the, the worst part about uh, Jack Johnson's era was that there were a lot of, uh, like, if you were a black American uh, in the United States during that time, the, the Jim Crow America, and you wanted to see other black Americans be successful, you were kind of, you kind of had to do it in silence because if you showed any kind of happy emotion or something, you know, then, then you get the, uh, uh, the, the group of guys uh, that would uh, want to shoot you down that felt that you were a second-class citizen. This is what I admired so much about Jack Johnson. He refused to accept that. And during Jack Johnson's reign, a lot of, uh, at first, a lot of fellow black Americans would root for him and find themselves, uh, you know, getting beat up or even worse, killed. Uh, so a lot of them didn't like what Jack Johnson was doing because they didn't look at it as breaking through. They looked at it as creating difficulty for themselves, uh, which I think that um, today nobody looks at it like that. Like, for example, the Colin Kaepernick uh, whole charade that's been going on, I'm totally against it. Not because of what he tried to stand for, because I just, I, I totally support, I, I was a fan of, of Colin Kaepernick, but his choice of how to make a statement was wrong. And now it's even worse. I read somewhere, and this has nothing to do with Jack Johnson, but I read somewhere that there are actual football players that are willing to not sign until somebody signs Kaepernick and Eric Reed is another one now. Uh, that's, uh, uh, you know, looking for a job. 
Now, I, I, I say this. It, it, that is a very unintelligent thing to do. And, and I'll tell you why. First of all, if it's about a racially motivated thing, you deal with that in whichever way you can, okay? Um, you stand up for yourself, you make a statement, whatever. That's what Colin Kaepernick started out to do. He, cho he made a very bad decision in how he chose to do it, okay? You don't attack the country you live from and our national anthem. That's my opinion. But here's the other part of it. How would you, forget about the color of the skin, forget about anything. When you look at a, a football team, we're talking about football. When you look at an American football team and, and a coach and an owner, they're looking at building that roster. They want to look for the best possible players they can, okay? And they pick them out, right? You have a pool of available players and they pick out the, 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 the ones that they're interested in. And then they start looking at the statistics. And then the argument is, you know, are there 65 worse quarterbacks than, uh, than, than Colin Kaepernick? Because it's, you know, I guess 65 quarterback positions or whatever. And most people say no, that, that there's not 65 worse, that he's better. But when you look at the statistics from Colin Kaepernick for his last two years that he played, they've sunk deep. That's number one. Number two. Do you bring in a player that is automatically going to cause some issues in your locker room with people, whether he, whether you let him, uh, you know, kneel during the national anthem or, or not? That's that's not even the issue. It's what is the impact going to be made on the rest of that locker room? You know, uh, you know, do you bring in that? And the question, the answer is no, you don't. So as much as you want to try and make a statement for equality and everything else, which I support. You know, you got to be careful how you do it. And you can't really criticize the team owners uh, for trying to avoid putting themselves in a, in a tough situation. Because let me tell you something, locker rooms in professional sports are a really important place. If you have division in a locker room, you don't have a winning team. Name one team that had uh, problems amongst themselves that went on to succeed and win a championship. I can't see any uh, in the history. So, uh, you know, I think that, you know, the time of Jack Johnson and what he went through uh, compared to what uh, people are complaining about now is apples and oranges. Um, but uh, I'm glad to see that he was finally pardoned. I'm glad to see that the record was straight straightened out even though it was a hundred years after uh the fact but uh, uh it is what it is so uh, jack johnson if you have any thoughts on that you want to talk about it I, I do have the phone line open or if you have any other thoughts about anything give us a call 845-228-8710 if not drop me an email billy at talking boxing that's t-a-l-k-i-n b-o-x-i-n-g uh, dot com and uh i'm curious to know uh you know uh, what you're, where you're watching or listening to, I, I asked that, and I want to thank everyone that's uh, uh, sent me uh, uh, an email on that. Uh, and uh, a lot of people that interact with this show uh, are seemingly uh, listening to us on a podcast uh, or uh, uh, watching us on YouTube or on demand. Um, the radio stations, uh, we also get a lot of people talking to us and saying they heard us, they watched us on TV, blah, blah, blah. 
but the interaction is less. So if you're watching us on a television network that we're on, or if you're listening to us uh, via a radio station, you're listening to us on terrestrial radio, take a minute and drop me an email, Billy at Tuckin Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. I want to hear from you, and uh, I want to hear uh, where uh, you're watching and listening to uh, the show from. Uh, I'm curious to uh, uh, to know. So uh, uh, let us know, will you? Take take a minute, man. I know it's I know you're busy, but uh, take a minute. Um, got some emails. Speaking of emails, got some emails to read right now. Uh, first one uh, uh, is uh, what is the first one's from Raheem. He says, "Good morning, Billy C. I was happy to see President uh, Pardon Johnson. Uh, it's sad that other presidents didn't do so until this, uh, but pr- the, this president." Uh, showed that he's a humble person who's concerned about this matter. I voted for President Trump because he showed uh, in The Apprentice how to get things done, and he was a promoter in boxing. Four more years, I can't wait to vote again. Um, I, you know, you could say a lot of things about Donald Trump. One is not that he's a humble guy, uh, but uh, uh, whatever you want to uh, say. You know, the other thing, too, is... Uh, you know, the guy himself, and this is just my opinion, Donald Trump, the man, is a very unlikable guy. I mean, you know, how do you like a guy that's so pompous and stuff? But from a business perspective, um, you know, and and people could say what they want about him. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I tell you, uh, I, I, some of the things, the things that he says are not presidential, in other words, normally a person in that position shouldn't say uh, the I know you are, but what am I type of things that he says. But I don't think he's doing a terrible job. And, you know, I, I can't stand the people that go against him for just because and they don't know the reasons or they're, they're too young to understand the workflow process, etc., and, and, you know, the other thing is, is, is I can't stand when people, you know, look at uh, former President uh, Barack Obama and make him look so great when really the, the country itself was in terrible shape uh, when he was there. I mean, you have to look at the shape of the country uh, to determine how a president is doing their job. Um, I don't think a president needs to be um, the type of person that everybody loves. Uh, it certainly helps when re-election time comes, but uh, I just care about the job they're doing. And right now, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he's doing an okay job. As far as this whole pardoning Johnson, uh, let's call a spade a spade. I think Donald Trump did that for PR. I, I really do. I'm sorry. I, I really do. As much as I'm happy that he uh, uh, did it, and I'm happy that, that Jack Johnson finally uh, got some respect. I think he did it uh, to get some PR, uh, some positive PR. But uh, that's my opinion. And I'm surprised you're going to vote for him again, Raheem. Uh, he's going to be like 105 if he runs again. But uh, uh, who, el- who else is going to run? I mean, uh, for the Republicans, anyway, if, if, if you even want to consider him a Republican. Um, he says on another topic, Joshua Wilder. Uh, is is it going to happen this year? I hope so. And it's too bad that Joshua's team is, I think, trying not to make the fight because of politics. But Wilder can still go for Marciano's record, and that would be great. Uh, 
to, it's just too bad that Joshua is doing what Pacquiao's team did in negotiations uh, when Wilder has the better record and more knockouts. Um, Raheem, I, I, I love that you interact with this show uh, as uh, uh, you know often as you do, but I don't understand your, your thinking. Um, first of all, Manny Pacquiao, it, it was Floyd Mayweather 100% in the negotiations with Pacquiao. Um, Floyd wanted everything. And the same thing is happening with Deontay Wilder and uh, Anthony Joshua. Um, forget about wins. Forget about knockouts. Uh, you know, if you're going to look at something today with boxing, the two main things, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I don't agree with this because I think that the best fighters uh, should be the what we call the A-side. But, but today, the two major things that they look at is number one, how popular of a fighter are you? And if you are more popular than your opponent, well, then you're going to be the A-side. The other part is how many belts you got, man? You know, now I'm a firm believer that the uh, amount of belts that we have has devalued the fact that you become a belt holder. So the only thing that you have, you know, not uh, years ago, there was only one champion in every division. So when you were a world champion, you, you, you accomplished something great. Today, it's, it's a lot easier to get um, a, a world title, not only. Uh, are there 32 weight divisions? You know, you got five major sanctioning bodies who have up to five world champions in each weight class. So, I, I mean, it's, it's, there's almost not enough fighters to go around to fill all the belts, you know. So the only thing that you can judge is say, well, if one fighter has three belts and the other guy has two, uh, the guy with three belts is is you know should be the A side. At least that's my opinion. But uh, um, Deontay Wilder is not a popular fighter. He he should have he should be, but he's not. As far as breaking uh, Marciano's record, that is something that is within Deontay Wilder's reach, and that is something that would be substantially significant. Um, because that 49-0 and 0 is only significant to the heavyweight division. So, I, and I've said this before, Raheem, if Deontay Wilder's main goal is to break Marciano's record, he could do that without fighting uh, Anthony Joshua. As a matter of fact, he could do that. He's got 10 fights to make 50-0, and 0, and he could probably do that uh, in three years. All right? He's not doing it any sooner than that. It will take him three years uh, to fight to get to 49 and 0 or 50 and 0, okay? And he could fight slugs for three years, uh, three times a year for three years, all right? And make uh, and break that record. But my question is this How much money can he make fighting the slugs three times a year for three years, all right? Um, let's, if we go by, um, let's say he's got 10 fights. And let's just say he makes two and a half million per fight fighting a slug because that's the highest he's ever made before. So you you add that up over um, three years, ten fights, twenty five million. All right. So that, I mean that's a legitimate path to take. You could say, listen, you got you're going to fight for for three more years. 
you're going to fight three times a year and one time four times a year. Uh, or you're going to stretch that 50th fight out uh, to the fourth year. So you're going to fight between three and four years. You're going to fight between uh, nine and ten fights, averaging three fights a year. Um, and one fight in the fourth year. And you're going to make $25 million. And you're going to break the record. So you say, okay, that's three or four years down the road, $25 million. That's pretty good. I'm never going to make that much in in four years, right? So that could be a route that they take. And they could, you know, all the hands in his pockets could be saying, you know what, this is, this is the slow and steady approach. This is the safety first approach. Uh, Deontay can uh, beat these slugs, and that's that. Now you look at the other side of the coin. The other side of the coin is, um, is the 49-0 record worth it? Financially, $25 million, uh, we're just throwing numbers. We're saying $25 million over three or four years. And we're saying, um, you know, and, and, and by the way, even a slug can land a lucky punch, okay? So that's four years, et cetera, et cetera. And then after you beat the record, what is that going to be worth? Is he going to be able to keep making money as the heavyweight who beat Rocky Marciano's record? Will he make other money with appearances and stuff like that? And, and you look at that dollar amount. Let's say he retires at 50-0. and 0, um, You know, can he make money continuously for, for the rest of his life because he's 50-0? Now look at the other side of the coin and see a fight with Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua, he could conceivably make more than $25 million, or at least $25 million in one fight. One fight. And if he plays his cards right, like I've suggested for months now, that they should sign a three-fight deal, two against each other, and one that they can have against whoever in the middle. You, fight, you sign a three-fight deal, and that could take place over two years, all right? And Deontay Wilder would be in a position to make, I would think, no less over that three-year, uh, uh, two-year period in those three fights, probably close to $80, $90 million when all is said and done, all right? Almost, you know, three times the amount of, of what he could make over a four-year span fighting 10 fights. Uh, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. And I don't think Anthony Joshua uh, is afraid or anything like that. I think that it's all about numbers, and Deontay is demanding things that uh, he shouldn't be. Thanks for the email, um, Raheem. This next one's from my man Mitch. He says, I guess the ESPN brass watches the Billy the Talking Boxing with Billy C show too uh, today, and this was sent last week. Today you mentioned uh, Anthony Joshua being more popular than Deontay. Uh, Sal always hesitates to believe that every time you say it, uh, but the same day you mention it, ESPN releases uh, the list below. He says, well, look into your crystal ball, and ESPN has validated your point. Uh, look at the list below. To make this list means a lot. It's not just boxing. It's the biggest names of sports. Uh, what this is is the world-famous sports list that ESPN uh, put out. And uh, i got to be honest, a lot of the people on this list, I'm, I'm not a huge uh, soccer fan. I'm not a huge 
uh, tennis fan. I like women's tennis, but, um, you know, rugby, cricket, you know, uh, some of these guys uh, that are on this. But but let, let's take a look at the boxers in the top 100. Um, Floyd Mayweather uh, is number 14. Now, this is, uh, you know, people who know you, the amount of money you made, what your worth is, et cetera, et cetera. Most famous. Uh, Floyd's number 14, the highest boxer. Um you know, either current or, or previous, that's on the list. Um, the next, he's not a boxer, but I, I guess we could call him a boxer. He did fight one boxing event. Conor McGregor is number 18. Um, then you got to go all the way to the next guy, who is Anthony Joshua at number 46. Canelo's 58. Triple G is 61. Pacquiao still in the top 100 at number 63. Vladimir Klitschko is number 17, uh, 74. Most of the names on this list in American sports are basketball players. LeBron James is uh, up there in the top three, I think. But the point is, is Deontay Wilder is not on this list. He's not in the top 100. Um, you know, he's not even in, in, in the tops in known American um, uh, sports athletes. So, uh, and, and AJ to be number 46. First of all, Floyd to be number 14 is great. And Conor McGregor to be number 18 is also great. But um, to be number 46 ahead of Canelo and Triple G, uh, I think is a, a great feat. That's for sure. But uh, anyway, hey, listen, I'm going to take a short break. Uh, when I come back, um, <clears throat> we got another email. And um, I got uh, com- a couple of other things that I want to talk about, so uh, don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an Excellence in Broadcasting Award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. By morning. It's talking Boxing with Billy C. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where... Back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today on this uh, Memorial Day. Um, one more email I want to read. This is from my man Joel, and he says, uh, "Hey Billy C, I hope you en- are enjoying your Memorial Day weekend. Uh, what fights, if any, did you watch this weekend? It wasn't a very busy weekend, but I'm curious what you watched. Nothing. I watched nothing this week, to be honest with you. It's the first time in I can't remember how long that I chose not to watch any boxing uh, on TV. I had some uh, things going on, and uh, like Joel mentions here, there was nothing that really interested me. Uh, the the uh, Ann Codges fight, and, and I pronounce this poor guy's name, Jerwin's fight, um, was one I would have liked to have seen. And I'll tell you another fight I'm probably not going to be watching uh, when it comes up in a couple of weeks is the uh, Terrence Crawford-Jeff um, Horn fight. And I, I tell you, I don't like what they're doing with this ESPN+. Plus. I get it, all right? What, what they've done is they've eliminated the middleman 
so they're making more money. Uh, in, in other words, when we see fights on television, uh, what, what's happening is the TV distributors, you know, your cable company, your dish uh, company, whatever, however you're getting your television service uh, piped into your house, they charge the promoters and the producers, whatever, um, to, uh, to, to, to distribute. So they get a cut. So you do a pay-per-view, uh, you charge 50 bucks, and then that cable network or dish network, the, the television provider, they're getting a cut of that. So when the smoke clears, you know, your revenue stream is, is cut. What they're doing, what ESPN is doing, is they're doing a direct uh, service to the consumer. They're eliminating the middleman, the distributor, which is great for, for ESPN. There's a great uh, revenue stream for them. But it's not so great for the fight fan. And I'll tell you why. I'm not so sure. And, and, and maybe it's because I haven't cut the cord yet, so to speak, with, you know, I, I don't have cable, but I have uh, satellite uh, service. And I enjoy watching um, my shows on, on, on television. I don't like watching them on a the handheld. Now, I get it that most TVs today are Internet ready and you can get uh, all the uh, uh, streaming uh uh, television shows on your TV, and this would be a good opportunity for you. But a guy like me who doesn't have that right now, and a lot of other people I'm sure are the same way, for me to watch ESPN+, Plus, I'd have to watch it on my phone. And I don't want to watch a fight on my phone. I wouldn't even want to watch a fight on a tablet. All right, I want to watch it on my television screen. All right, so I probably won't be watching that fight. I say that now, but uh, we'll see what happens. But... Uh, Anyway, he says, I was disappointed to see David Lemieux miss weight, making 162, but I don't think he should move up to 168. He will be too small. I'm glad he won his fight in uh, Quebec, uh, though, against uh, Kareem uh, Archer, uh, and he, he got a W back in the win column. Um, I agree. I don't think that uh, uh, David Lemieux should uh, be fighting at 168 uh, at all. I, I think that uh, this guy is uh, clearly... Uh, not a dedicated fighter. Um, I think that uh, he's, I've been, hey, listen, I've seen him live a bunch of times. And, you know, the one fight, the last fight I saw him live was at the Turning Stone. And let me tell you, he looked fat. I mean, he, look, he looked pudgy. And, um, you know, I've spoken to, to some of his uh, uh, trainers, uh, past and present. Um, and um, they all say the same thing. The, the guy is not, he, he doesn't come to the gym. They got to beg him to get to the gym. And, um, you know, when fighters move up in weight because they can't make weight anymore, because they're growing into their bodies, they're aging, et cetera, et cetera, you can't fault them. But when fighters move up in weight because they don't want to put the work in at the gym, I got a problem with that. And I will tell you this, that uh, I don't think David Lemieux is going to be very successful at 168. I mean, even a bigger middleweight in Arthur Abraham, uh, although he did win a title, wasn't as successful in the super middleweight division as he was uh, in the uh, uh, middleweight division. Now, remember, that's an eight-pound swing. It may be easier for David Lemieux to make weight, but I would think that he would be similar to Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. When he moves up in weight, it doesn't matter. The, the lack of, of, of discipline and effort in the gym will carry over, and he will still not make weight at 168. You watch. You watch. He's going to come in overweight. But he can't fight anybody that doesn't stand right in front of him and let him knock him out. He can't. 
anybody with movement will uh, take care of Lemieux. It's a shame. But uh, anyway, he says, uh, in Poland, there was a massive uh, combat sports card uh, featuring kicks, kickboxing, a couple of MMA fights, and several boxing matches under one promotion. I wasn't able to find the streams of it, but I saw Otor Spitzka got a win over Dominic Gwynn uh, by decision, and uh, Izgabe Yugenov uh, stopped Fred Glassy, uh, Cassie in three rounds. I feel uh, Azu uh, has potential, even though he lost his previous fight to Dominic Brazil in the beginning of 2017. Um, thanks for the email. Dominic Brazil is not a, a, an easy win, I'm telling you. He's slow, he's big and strong, and can catch uh, to, to, and take a big punch. That's going to be the fight that um, Wilder is in next. Unless they fight AJ, I don't think it's happening. I think that we're going to see Anthony Joshua fight Povetkin and Deontay Wilder fight Dominic Brazil. And let me tell you, I've said it and I'm going to say it again. The both of those, this is where these guys, the greed and the advice that their uh, teams are giving them are failing them. Because uh, in this case, both of these fights are going to be extremely hard for these guys. Um, Deontay Wilder is not going to have an easy way with Dominic Brazil. It's not going to happen. Brazil takes a punch, and I think that that Deontay Wilder is going to take him lightly. It, you know what? When you watch Deontay Wilder fight a guy that he doesn't take lightly, he looks pretty good. And I think we saw that with Luis Ortiz, all right? Um, we saw that with Artur Spitzka. You know, we actually saw that in the first time, even though he's not good. We know this now. But in the first fight with uh, when he won the title. Um, and, and you know, the rematch, obviously, he, he took, uh, uh, took him lightly. But, um, you know, the truth of the matter is, is when he takes a fighter lightly, he just goes in for the kill. And if he does that against Dominic Brazil and shoots his load, so to speak, uh, Brazil could come back. I, I don't know. And and considering that Anthony Joshua has had uh, many problems uh, with uh, uh, shorter fighters, uh, I don't see that being an easy fight uh, with uh, AJ against uh, um, Povetkin. I I, don't, I I think that both of these fights um, are dangerous for these guys, and they shouldn't they shouldn't risk the big payday. I'm telling you, they shouldn't. But uh, anyway, thanks for the emails, guys. Um, a couple of things that we will get to tomorrow. Uh, Triple G Canelo looks like uh, they're not uh, moving forward uh, with the rematch, or at least it's, it's hit a couple of snags. We'll talk about that. Uh, how about Eric Molina uh, receiving a two-year ban, a two ban uh, following his fight with Anthony Joshua and... Canelo only got six months, so we'll talk about that uh, tomorrow. I, I got uh, some updates with Vasily Lomachenko, Cuba uh, Pulov, and Dillian White. Jean Pascal retired. Oh, wait, no, he's back. Um, so that's some stuff we're going to talk about tomorrow. Uh, but uh, one last thing I wanted to discuss today was Adrian Broner. Um, it was reported last week that Adrian Broner was offered a promotional deal from uh, uh, Matchroom Boxing, Eddie Hearn, and he turned it down. As a matter of fact, he referred to it as a slave contract. Um, the way the, uh, the deal said uh, was basically a, a three-fight deal. Um, 
well, excuse me. Uh, he said uh, uh, that uh, he Broner would fight in September and make two million. He'd fight in March for two and a quarter million, and he'd fight a third time uh, in 2019 uh, for two and a half million, uh, which is uh, higher than uh, uh, Broner's uh, previous uh, uh, purses. And Broner says, uh, you know, basically that's a slave contract. You know, I say that Broner's a dumb idiot. Because here's the deal. Forget about the total price of a, a uh, uh, you know, offer that, that he would make over these three fights uh, over two-year span, uh, not even a full two-year span. But he, here's the thing. If Broner was smart, and which he obviously is not, you know, first of all, who's pounding down Adrian Broner's door with boatloads of cash for him to fight? Nobody. And the fights that he does get offered are not winnable fights. If he had half a brain, if he had the scarecrow's brain from the Wizard of Oz, which he doesn't, he should take this deal, and I'll tell you why. Because those three fights would be against winnable opposition. He doesn't have to fight the world's best for those. I would let Eddie Hearn promote me. I would make... Uh, you know, the, the, the almost $7 million in purses over an 18-month period. And I would build my, my persona back up, my, my, my image back up, right? And then the fourth fight, which could be a big money fight against a big-time opponent, now he's a free agent again. Now he can take and, and, and maneuver himself into a big payday. He's stupid to think that he's going to get more than he... It's the same thing as Wilder. When you look at Wilder, he's never made more than $2.5 million. And now all of a sudden, he's, he's you know, wants 10 times that. You know, um, but the difference between Wilder and Broner is Wilder hasn't lost yet. And people are interested in seeing Wilder because his fights are entertaining. Broner, it's not so entertaining. And, I mean, they could, they can be. And I, I think he made a mistake. I honestly do. I think that Adrian Broner should have taken this deal and, uh, and, and used it to his advantage. You know, instead of calling it a slave contract, be the smarter guy and say, okay, I take it. But make sure that the contract states that he gets the right of refusal for any of the fights that are presented by Eddie Hearn with no, um, you know, no dis basically no nothing that would position him to nullify the contract so in other words eddie hearn force eddie hearn to give him winnable fights for those three fights for that kind of money he'll go fight in england he'll become if he keeps his nose clean he could he could write the ship uh get his uh, uh image fixed a little bit to a degree and then after that contract is up uh go uh you know, go for the jugular. Oh God! All of a sudden, I got the somebody must be yawning somewhere because now I got it and I'm uh, uh, ready to uh, uh, nod out here. But uh, uh, that's because I'm talking about Adrian Broner and he's not exactly uh, an interesting guy. But um, just remember one thing: Rock Nation, and this is how stupid Broner is. Rock Nation in twenty, well, going back four years ago, in 2014 offered Broner a five-year, $40 million deal, and Broner turned that one down. I bet you he's kicking himself in the ass for that today, huh? Because in that five years, which we haven't even reached yet, 
he would have never made the $40 million. Then again, Rock Nation's not in business anymore, so to speak. Uh, so uh, we'll see what happens uh, uh, there. But uh, I don't know. Uh, Eddie Hearn, uh, the top uh, promoter in boxing today. Uh, if I'm uh, if I'm uh, Adrian Broner, I I take that uh, uh, deal and 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 run with it. That's for sure. Um, our uh, trivia question from Friday uh, was uh, a gift. I got uh, a lot of correct answers, uh, and it just goes to show you uh, that you guys uh, actually uh, uh, listen uh, to what I'm saying. Uh, but uh, the question was. Who is the only fighter to beat a former world heavyweight champion in his pro debut? Uh, the winner of that, uh, which we did get, is my man Johnston. Congratulations to Johnston. He was the first one to get the correct answer, and the correct answer is my friend John Carlo. Johnny Bombs Carlo uh, had a career uh, record of 14 wins and two losses. He made his pro debut on October 22nd in 1994 in Washington, D.C. at 33 years old and uh, knocked out former world champion Leon Spinks in the very first round. I have it on uh, uh, video. It's a funny story. He was supposed to, uh, Leon Spinks was supposed to fight somebody else who got injured. John Carlo was training a fighter that he and I worked with together. And uh, um, they uh, basically said, come on, you're in good shape, uh, fight him, you know. And he's like, ah, okay, you know, they, they threw some money at him. And uh, John Carlo admitted to me many times that he was scared to death. And uh, he went in there and uh, landed a shot on Leon, saw Spinks go down. Leon Spinks got up, and, and uh, John Carlo just went after him and dropped him again. And then uh, the third time, knocked him out. And the fight was over. Uh, at that time, Leon Spinks uh, had a record of uh, 25 wins, 15 losses, and three defeat, uh, three draws. Um, he fought two more times after this fight. Uh, one time he won an eight-round decision on June 19th in 1995 against Ray Kipping, who uh, stepped into the ring at one win, two losses, and a draw. And then in his final fight on December 4th in 1995, uh, Leon Spinks lost to Fred Hoop, who had a record of 13-3 uh, going into the fight, and he went eight rounds with Hoop, uh, losing a unanimous decision, which uh, ultimately, finally, and rightfully so, ended the career of Leon Spinks. So uh, congratulations to uh, Johnston. Uh, I sent him his very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game, and uh, we have another uh, copy of the game uh, that... Uh, uh, we'll go uh, on right now. We are going to uh, ask a uh, uh, another trivia question, and this is available uh, to uh, everyone but my man Coach because Coach actually um, got this answer correct when I asked this question once before. So don't be trying to bribe Coach into giving you the answer because he's not going to do it because he's a stand-up guy. So uh, here's the question, and if you're the first one to email me this, uh, correct answer, uh, you will uh, win uh, your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. Uh, and it's a, uh, uh, a what do uh, uh, these two fighters have in common? What do Jersey Joe Walcott and Mike Colbert both have in common? 
What do Jersey Joe Walcott and uh, Mike Colbert both have in common? If you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talkin' Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Uh, then you will win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game, the same game that Alex uh, uses for the uh, blast from the past. Uh, so uh, if you uh, can email me, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, you'll win that copy. So uh, if you're the first one to uh, get this question correct, what do Jersey Joe Walcott and Mike Colbert both have in common? You'll win the prize. So uh, good luck to everyone on that. And finally, uh, on this day, May 28th in 1989, In Chul Beck uh, knocks out uh, Florencio uh, Obomayas uh, in the 11th round to win the WBA World Super Midway title to place in Korea. On this day in 1934, one of my favorite all-time fighters and one of the best lightweights uh, of all time, Barney Ross, wins a 15-round decision over Jimmy McLaren to win the World Welterweight title, and that took place in Long Island City, uh, New York. Barney Ross, what a story. Uh, a, uh, a lightweight champion, junior welterweight and welterweight champion, uh, served in the uh, service, uh, came back out uh, a, uh, addicted to uh, morphine and uh, because he was injured in battle. And what did they give him to get off of morphine? They gave him heroin, and he became a heroin addict, uh, beat that, and uh, lived the rest of his life uh, uh, trying to help others. But uh, what a great fighter, uh, Barney Russ. What a great story, um, you know, watching uh, uh, his parents get shot to death in the uh, uh, family-owned uh, uh, grocery store, which turned him uh, to, uh, to, to the sport. But uh, Barney Russ was a buddy of uh, Al Capone and everything else. Uh, was uh, uh, one of those guys you wanted to hang with. Uh, Barney Ross, uh, one of he's also I think was voted one of the all-time uh, great Jewish athletes as well. But uh, anyway, on this uh, um, uh, another note here, McLaren would win a 15-round uh, decision uh, over Ross to uh, reclaim his title in September 30 uh, in September of 1934. So they fought this one in May, then they fought again in September. However, on May 25th, 19 uh, May 28th. Uh, a year later, in 1935, uh, Barney Ross wins a 15-round decision to win the World Welterweight title back. Uh, and that fight took uh, place in New York City. One of the great uh, th uh, three-fight trilogies, so to speak, uh, in the history of the sport, McLaren against Barney Ross. On this day in 1917, uh, Benny Leonard knocks out Freddie Welsh in the ninth round to win the World Lightweight title. It took place in New York City. Um, Benny Leonard... Uh, one of the uh, best fighters uh, of all time that most people forget. This was a guy that was instrumental in uh, Sugar Ray Robinson's career. Uh, he was way ahead of his time. If you ever want to uh, try and uh, punch up some stuff on Benny Leonard, uh, check that out. Also on this day, May 28th, 1941, Tony Zale uh, knocks out uh, Al Hostick in the second round to retain his uh, world middleweight title, and that took place in Chicago. And finally, on this day, May 28th in 1975, former World Heavyweight Champion and Boxing Hall of Famer Ezra Charles dies from uh, ALS uh, at age uh, 53. 
Uh, Charles was one of the most uh, underrated and underappreciated fighters of all time. He finished with a 93 win, 25 loss, and one draw record and was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 1990. You know, uh, not only do a lot of people forget Ezra Charles, uh, but Ezra Charles fought as a middleweight. Uh, and then people do remember him as a heavyweight champion. Um, but, uh, you know, he also uh, uh, fought uh, and got beat up uh, and should have won. And he would have won by today's standards uh, should he have fought Rocky Marciano today. Uh, he uh, had Rocky's uh, nose flapping, literally was separated from, from his face uh, in that fight. And they, they let it continue. But, um, you know, his passing at, uh, from ALS, um, uh, which uh, people call Lou, Gre- uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, at 53. I mean, I'm four years older than he passed away with all of his accomplishments. And he was also part of uh, the famed Murderer's Row, uh, which was a bunch of black fighters uh, that no one wanted to fight as a Charles uh, because he went up into the uh, upper weight classes, got a chance, but guys like Charlie Burley never did. Uh, but uh, as a Charles uh, uh, died uh, on this day in 1975. Hey, listen, uh, glad to uh, have you uh, take some time on this holiday. Uh, and yeah, we do do uh, shows on holidays, uh, but a programming note, we will not be doing a show this Friday. So anybody that uh, missed this show today, Uh, and is expecting one on Friday, well, you messed up. Hey, listen, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bad time, same bad channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.